The Jim Rome Show with guest host Brian Weber on CBS Sports Radio. It is the final hour of the program. The final hour of another stellar week in the jungle. Always a delight to keep the chair warm. Magically, a team of skilled engineers came in and have reinforced the apparati. Plural on a big word Friday. Brian Weber with you. Let me be thoroughly upfront, as candid as I can be. By now, I think you know how I try to approach the program as a clone for the better part of 30 years. I'm here to interact with you. I want even more tweets on the X at B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, letting me know it's time to move to Canada because the McRib is traveling north of the border. At the same time, because I only work One hour a week now. My favorite part of listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome, subscribe it right now, leave a comment, and please do enjoy all the content, is when Jim invariably gets to someone who is a scholar, someone who is renowned in their field of expertise, and asks them, is there a hack? Is there a silver bullet? And I'm waiting for the answer to be yes. And of course... There are no silver bullets. Unless you fill in for Jim Rome and you're lucky enough to be tenured going back to 2017. After eight years of service, you can have a one-hour work week. That's all I work now. Now, it's challenging to pay the bills, but when they say, hey, you can have six-minute abs, and yes, I'm a walking testament to that. That's obviously true. And you can have a one-hour work week, meaning I got to blow through a lot of content. But... The goal is to be interactive. Tom tells me that the phone lines were lit up. And as I glance at them, there's a couple of you who haven't figured out that Jim has left the building. 1-800-636-8686. I am open to taking a phone call or two. In fact, it will help me for my quota for the rest of the year if I'm lucky enough to come back during the summer fill-in cycle. 20 minutes from now, you can hop aboard at 1-800-636-8686. As always, we will read your thoughts on social media. It's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. I'm going to jump right in, giving you, as the kids say, another boomer kind of lesson. Because while I try my best to be as animated, as dialed in as I can be, hanging out with people young enough to be my nieces and sometimes introduced in that context, I now know what Riz is, and apparently I lack it. I'm going to tell you, the world was a better place when we were not solely consumed by the NFL. Strike that, the National Football League. Because I understand, and I'm not just trying to be contrarian, in a 5,000-channel universe that the NFL crushes everything in its path. I would be a fool, for example, to say, well, thanks, Jim. This is a wonderful platform, international audience, hundreds of stations nationally syndicated, the phenomenal simulcast on CBS Sports Network. Let me break down the Australian Open. Obviously, after the filibuster ends momentarily, I'm going to get you set for the NFC title game with some thoughts that may not have come to mind, also being mindful of not stealing more from Jim than I normally do. But if you ask me to get that excited about the Detroit Lions, and history is my entire bit, and I'll reinforce that momentarily. I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim, keeping the chair warm. Phone calls a possibility in 20 minutes, 
1-800-636-8686. We have an ATP to get to in 40 minutes. I have thoughts on Bill Belichick getting karmic and football payback. We'll get there in 40 minutes. But 20 years ago, if the Lions had made the NFC title game, and 30 years ago, you recall, they did, the world would not have been tilting on its access, and I am not making this an anti-Detroit observation, but it would have been balanced by, we still cared about college basketball. Jim does. What a marvelous conversation it was with Dan Hurley the other day. John Morosi pointing out, there are a bevy of big-name free agents in Major League Baseball still unsigned. Pitchers and catchers report in about 10 days. And none of that matters because the NFL has crushed everything in its path. So, yes, as I give you my thoughts on the NFC title game, I'm going to be watching. It's my job, after all. But if it's, in my estimation, a mediocre matchup with a Lions team that is a wonderful story, but just slightly above average, and you can hit me up and say, yes, I'm trolling you. And I don't need to give you my Michigan credentials. My late father went to Michigan State. I've done my time in East Lansing. But I cannot get that excited about a Lion team that is, while a phenomenal transformation and a metaphor for what Motown has gone through. Detroit is back. This is not that transcendent of a team. And hopefully I'm not telling you anything you don't know because we're all watching the NFL. Have you seen these TV ratings? It's the one thing propping up a dying linear TV model because you kids with all your riz won't get off TikTok. But if you ask me about Jared Goff, for example, is he a metaphor somehow for, to go back to the word I began the hour with, the power of reinvention? Jared Goff should never have been selected with the number one overall pick. If you watch college football and saw him play even a half when he was the quarterback at Cal, did you ever say that guy is going to be a top 10 NFL pick? That guy's going to be number one overall? Jared Goff in a private moment would tell you he was stunned with the reach that the Rams pulled off to take him there. And he got kicked to the curb for a reason. Because he was a middle-of-the-road quarterback, coached up by Sean McVay. If you go back to the Patriots' Super Bowl victory over the Rams, Bill Belichick, when he still had Tom Brady and could win big games, was playing 12-dimensional chess, waiting for the radio and the helmet to be turned off because McVay couldn't spoon-feed Goff the key details to make the adjustment, and you saw what happened in that game. So... I am not sitting here just to say everything sucks. We know that's not a take in the jungle. I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim. You can hit me up on the X, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. But Jared Goff is just a guy. If you watch these games, and that's the other problem with the NFL now, steamrolling everything in its path, and part of it is not sheer commerce. Part of it is... A media construct. And I'm not getting into X-Files conspiracies. We don't have conventions. We don't have meetings. We don't get together and decide. Brock Purdy, yes or no. Some shows do, but I'm a solo act for now. The NFL has become king in large measure because we've gotten lazy in our job. And it's just so much easier only to follow one sport year-round because even during the season, they only play once a week. 
But if you actually watch the games, if you take the time, I'm not talking about the playoff games when the whole world is watching, even when you get the shakedown on a streaming service, another one you don't need. If you take the time to watch games, if you park your carcass on the couch and ride the red zone, you know who Jared Goff is. Very nice story. It would be fabulous to see him in the Super Bowl. Jim mentioned he's going to be in Vegas. It would be a national holiday throughout the state of Michigan if the Lions go there, and I'm not rooting against them. I just don't want to see Jared Goff play in the Super Bowl because we know what that looks like. Nor do I want to see Detroit's defense. And I'll give James Kelly a lot of credit, and the big head works the numbers, and he's damn good at what he does. I was just running through the list of quarterbacks since the last time I chatted with you during the holidays that have flat-out carved up a porous lion secondary. Justin Fields, Jordan Love on Thanksgiving, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott. I know the Lions got screwed by the officials in that game. We're not having that conversation today. Future Hall of Famer Nick Mullins, not once but twice, 396 passing yards, 411 on Christmas Eve. You saw what Stafford did. You saw what Baker did. He had a chance to win that game late. Now we can pivot to Brock Purdy. So, again, I just want to be thoroughly transparent. I understand the euphoria surrounding the Lions. It is the parallel to the Chicago Cubs, except the Cubs actually won some games along the way after 1908. And I've done this rap a thousand times. Let me do it one more time because it's about to become moot. Lions, prior to this run, had not won a playoff game since 1991, hadn't won the division since 1993, have not won a championship since 1957. Do you know how hard it is to be that dysfunctional and that abysmal in a league built on parity? So I'm in with this story. And if you ask me, if you care, and I'm Brian Weber, who is this guy and why is he lecturing me for another 50 minutes? In for Jim, Jim back on Monday with all the fallout from Championship Sunday. I'm going to be intrigued to see if the Lions defense can do anything. However, they're going to get a lot of help because they're facing Brock Purdy. And I use that phrase, just a guy, a jag. Not Jaffo from Blue Thunder, just another bleep observer. Brock Purdy to me, and I'll steal more from this program because it should be clear I listen very closely every day. I've been thinking about the comp for Purdy, and because I am myopic to a degree, having been damn lucky to start my career in the San Francisco Bay Area right after college because no one in my school was dumb enough to want to go into media, I was looking for something in the narrow framework of the 49ers. And Purdy, to me, had a lot in common with Jeff Garcia in terms of the circuitous route, another big word Friday installment, he took to the NFL, and style of play to a degree, but maximizing a limited skill set and seizing the opportunity. And I was talking to friends in the Bay Area who now are thoroughly delusional about Brock Purdy. If you say one negative word about him, they want to send you to Alcatraz. I had a good friend, a member of the media, who's followed the 49ers for a long time, trying to sell me that Brock Purdy is the best quarterback the Niners have had since Steve Young. Now, this is where we go back to the central point of because the NFL has obliterated everything else in sports other than NBA Twitter. What a good week it was across the association. 
if you watch games, not just the empty stats. And I know about empty calories. That's why I'm moving to Manitoba to get the McRib. I'm aware Brock Purdy set a new franchise record for the most passing yards in the history of the 49ers. You also are aware, as Calvin Johnson discussed on this program, we now have a 17-game regular season, but there'll be no asterisk. Do you watch Brock Purdy play on a regular basis? I'm waiting for the answer. Did you see him against Green Bay? The Packers should have won that game. And I realized that Jordan Love only threw for roughly 194 passing yards and had the ghastly interception late. The Packers were the better team in that game because Purdy, in addition to having those tiny hands, and you can say he doesn't like to throw in the rain, in my view, was overwhelmed by the magnitude of the moment. Think about the biggest games Brock Purdy has been attached to so far. I'm not going to blame him for getting hurt in the NFC title game. But how long did he last last year in Philadelphia? What did he do against the Ravens? And here's where my Niner fan brethren tell me tips and batted balls. Okay, so we're just now going to overlook all four of those interceptions. How about the opening drive when the Niners got it inside the red zone? Everything was aligned properly, and he threw it directly into the Baltimore secondary. On a night in which the Niners got help from a official tripping Lamar Jackson for a safety. Everything was seemingly going their way. Lamar was obligated to start the game, and then Purdy imploded. So we're going through the hierarchy here. How did he look against Green Bay? Now, Debo Samuel, I think, is trending in the right direction. The Niners should beat the Lions, irrespective of his availability, and I realize that Debo changes everything, because they're a vastly superior team, even with... A middle-of-the-road quarterback who, thanks to the insight of Daniel Jeremiah, yesterday the comp finally clicked for me, and I'm just going to steal. He's Case Keenum. Now, if you've had to endure my act for a long time, I used to dine out well when I was living high. I'm bashing Case Keenum. I have no agenda against Case Keenum. I'm old enough to remember when every quarterback who went to Houston would light it up, going back to David Klingler back in the day. Case Keenum set NCAA records across the books and went undrafted for a reason. He's limited. Brock Purdy should have gone undrafted, except the Niners took him with the last pick in the draft for a reason. He's limited. I'm not saying he can't play. I understand his success. But if you pay attention and don't just jump on the narrative train that's rolling down the track throughout all of these talking head shows, Brock Purdy told us exactly how the Niners view him in a conversation with ESPN.com when he volunteered that Kyle Shanahan came to him in the offseason and said, we're going after Tom Brady. This is Brock Purdy coming off that remarkable run. And yes, he was unable to hang around in the NFC Championship game. But exceeding every expectation. Felt like a Kurt Warner story. A movie was going to be made. And Shanahan came to him. This is Purdy's own admission. You can look it up if you want, if you think fake news is pervading the jungle. And said, Shanahan came to him and said, we're going to target Tom Brady. We'll let you know. What does that tell you? 
The Niners know who he is. Now, you could say Brady's the GOAT, and there's a different circumstance coming home to the San Francisco Bay Area. I understand the pushback. But if Purdy comes up small again in a big situation, and I think the Niners win either way, but if he wets the bed the way he did against Baltimore and the Niners fall short again, remember this is their fourth trip to the MC title game the last five years, if we want to come up with who's on the clock... Kyle Shanahan's career clock is ticking. And don't you think it burns him that the guy who was his protege, part of the Shanahan family tree, Sean McVay, is viewed as a genius. Shanahan is viewed as someone who can't win the big one or gets tight in high leverage situations. Finally coming up with a fourth quarter comeback. First time it happened in his tenure with the Niners, beating Green Bay on Saturday. But if the Niners lose, and they shouldn't, because Detroit is a middle-of-the-road team that played in a lousy division, do we think Tampa Bay is a transcendent club? Somebody had to win the NFC South, and they beat Philly because the Eagles had imploded like we'd never seen a team coming off a run to the Super Bowl. But should the Niners fall short of making the Super Bowl, and we can talk about how Purdy could do their down the road, you can hit me up on the X, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. I merely work one hour a week. I have a lot of free time. If Purdy falls short, here's the next step for the Niners. Who's going to be their next quarterback? And you can start processing all of the dots that line up very nicely. Kirk Cousins, a free agent. I know he's 35. I know he's coming off the tour to Achilles, which now no longer is career-threatening. There's the direct relationship with Kyle Shanahan. That name has been linked to San Francisco for years because Kyle Shanahan has proved repeatedly he can win with anybody in the regular season. The aforementioned Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard. They should have won the Super Bowl with Jimmy G if he had not overthrown a wide-open Emmanuel Sanders. And for Shanahan, the quest is, I got to get this ring. And I'm not going to let Brock Purdy get in the way. Now, I am playing a few shots ahead. Remember, kids, though, you're not playing the pocket. You're playing the table. Kids enjoy pool. It's a real good contemporary reference. But as I think about Purdy, he's Jeff Garcia. He's Case Keenum. He can prove me wrong. He doesn't need any more doubters. But I'm not saying this in some sort of hateful manner. I got nothing against him. In my career, I'm the equivalent of a seventh-round pick. You talk about irrelevant, you're soaking it in if you're still here. But if you take the time to watch these games, you actually learn something. And you are what you consistently do. He is limited. He's got the wonderful benefit of the innovative system in which he plays and a supporting cast that is comprised of several all-pro players. And it's going to be fascinating to see how much Shanahan believes in Purdy after a very shaky performance against the Packers. I know he engineered the game-winning drive. He gets credit for that. But I was astonished for the first three quarters. They were not featuring more of Christian McCaffrey. That strikes me as the more logical approach. At the same time, everybody's dissected the Lions' poorest secondary. Purdy should be next, even if he is just a guy. I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim Rome. 
Phone calls, an option coming up. 1-800-636-8686. I have thoughts on Bill Belichick. I'll connect it to the great Billy Crystal movie, Mr. Saturday Night. We'll get into the AFC title game. We'll use the L word, legacy. How is it connected to both Patrick Mahomes and potentially Lamar Jackson? Jackson. If he doesn't make it to the Super Bowl. I do want your thoughts on the X. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. We are looking for an ATP. Keep the submissions coming. Straight ahead, as promised. We're going to put the AFC title game into focus. If the Ravens cannot use home field advantage to make it to the Super Bowl, what are the lame talking head shows going to be chopping up on Monday? Not this show because Jim will be back. I'm Brian Weber, keeping the chair warm. You're in the jungle on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Brian Weber back with you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for enduring what I believe are dulcet tones. Just making sure we land the plane. I once had another fabulous career insight provided by a radio boss who said, kid, just land the plane. And of course, I turned it into any joke you want to make about the Andes or flatulence thanks to james kelly or the door being ripped off the fuselage brian weber with you tweets coming up in 15 minutes we're talking bill belichick's future here's a preview he's going to be mumbling on a tv near you and we'll get to the atp going to give you some granular thoughts on the afc championship game coming up if you're wondering why i'm here and i know a lot of you cannot believe that This show would have this guy in this chair. I'm knocking on wood. Is there synthetic wood anywhere? A lot of it came down to process of elimination. So the logical heir apparent is Tom. Believe me, Tommy is over it. Alvin could just play drops for the 50 minutes of content. It would be superior to Blather coming out of my pie hole, but that would be too much work. Plus, I think Alvin enjoys playing random drops, knowing that I've lost so much hearing, I can't hear anything. So I'm sure the monologue was phenomenal with a lot of Kawhi Leonard mocking my deep thoughts. And Jack is eager. Jack is ready to go, but he told me it's a lat day, so I think he'd be just doing... What are these? I don't even know what those are. Are those bends? What do you? It's been a while. Although the kid's not looking bad as I stare at myself in the monitor. So process of elimination. You got me reading your tweets. Canadian hitman, let me know about the McRib in Saskatoon. Hey, B.W. Weber, a one-hour work week. Those are dips, by the way. Just came back to me. I used to be in the gym. Still a Gold's Gym member. Come hang out with me and Paulie Shore. Sidebar. Paulie Shore, you might have seen, has been cast in an unauthorized Richard Simmons biopic. Richard, who has totally disappeared, was so insulted by that he had the need to release a statement saying, it's not endorsed, I want nothing to do with the project. I'm not just looking for Riz here. In my gym, somewhere here in Southern California, I am joined on a daily basis by Andrew Dice Clay, drinking coffee, and Paulie Shore, and I'm just going to say, Paulie's not going to add any 
prosthetics. I think when he plays Richard Simmons, he already looks a lot like him, but we move along. So, yes, I go to the average Joes of washed-up people here in Southern California. Canadian hitman at B.W. Weber, a one-hour work week, you say? You must be exhausted. Yours, stay-at-home dads. B.Web, what is going on over there? First, Romy rolls in, fully buttoned up. Now you come in with a freaking sport coat. What gives? It's a Friday. Lose the jacket, roll up the sleeves, kick off the shoes, and just slide into the weekend. Dan and Raleigh, some of this is strategic. Some of this is you dress for your next job. Because this is a growing industry. The phone could ring during the commercial, and poor Jack will have to come in and do the last 20 minutes. I am out of here, I might say. Finally, and this is going to win something. I can make it the huge tweet. Out of here! Thank you, Alvin. Want to know what Riz is? Just ask Alvy. He's the Rizzler. (laughs) Did you say reinforced apparati? I am so there. Abby in San Diego. I wish I could give you a T-shirt or a koozie or a Brian Weber hat. Instead, you get the honorarium associated with being the recipient of the huge tweet brought to you by Discover. Did you know Discover wants everyone to feel special? That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card limitations apply. Five minutes on the AFC title game. Because I think Jim has been so comprehensive, I'm not going to be delusional enough to say I have additive analysis. I've already dropped NFL Network. Did I mention my years of covering the annual meeting where the owners hang out? I'm going to reference that as a frame of context to give you Bill Belichick's next job coming up in 15 minutes. Hang with us. It's appointment radio. But this is the Super Bowl. you got to believe. Ravens taking on the Chiefs. And as Jim laid out... And this is a little bit contrived, but I do like the branding that Baltimore has secured the first triple crown defensively of any team we've ever seen. Fewest points, most sacks, most takeaways. You know what they've been doing. You know how they dominated the second half of the game against the Texans, which was, you'll recall, 10-10 at the half. And because it's well documented, I don't have much of a life, and you can... Hit me up on the X after the program. In 29 minutes, I'm off for the rest of the day. Gymnastics tomorrow. You want to check that out. Wrestling on Sunday because the career is just taking off. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. At halftime, last Saturday in Baltimore, what was the word on the Twitter street? Lamar is getting tight. Lamar can't deliver in the postseason. Now, he is 2-3, and which is a decent Sample size, because if you watched the second half, you saw him thoroughly dominate and assert himself. But should Lamar and the Ravens not cash in on home field advantage, taking on a Kansas City team that is the most vulnerable that we've seen in this dynastic run, all of the blowback is going to be directed at Lamar because he really can't win here. If he wins as a team, they're supposed to win. They're the top seeds. Remember, throughout the meaningless regular season finale, in the other handful of losses that the Ravens had to endure during the regular season, they had the lead at the two-minute warning in all those games. They could be undefeated, a nightmare in the mind of Mercury Morris right now. But if Kansas City wins this game, you're going to hear 
all of the hosannas about the majesty of Patrick Mahomes, deservedly so, because while he's never been more inefficient, never thrown more interceptions in this year, he's never done more with less. Look at that roster. And some of it is Kelsey has been erratic, better in the win over Buffalo, and certainly was at least more Kelsey-like in those frigid conditions in the win over the Dolphins. But that wide receiver is horrendously, that wide receiver group, that position on the roster is horrendously constructed. And even the dudes that they have, as you know, just can't hang on to the damn ball. So if Kansas City wins this game, all the talking head shows on Monday are going to make it about the glory of Patrick Mahomes that he did it almost single-handedly against the NFL's best defense, a defense that could wind up as an all-time great defense if you believe the meaning of that triple crown. If Lamar Jackson and the Ravens win, it's going to be a lot of, well, they're the home team, they're supposed to win, and Kansas City wasn't that good this year. Kansas City foreshadowed the inability to make it back to the Super Bowl because they were so inconsistent during the regular season. But even if the Ravens fall short, let's just say Lamar doesn't have a sensational game, I understand that we have to come up with these sweeping referendums. And yes, you are defined by championships and what you do in the postseason. And think about all of the shots we took at Peyton Manning before finally breaking through in the business end of his career, if Lamar Jackson and the Ravens lose on Sunday, yes, it's another obstacle he has to overcome, but I don't think it diminishes him in any way because we understand when you're talking about the random outcomes of an elimination game, weird things happen, and I go more body of work, the guy's going to win the MVP award again. He won it in 2019. That year they were one and done. This year they look rusty. Until everything changed at halftime and the win over the Texans. He is a generational, unique, transcendent talent. But we know how it works. Because these narratives have a form of their own. And they become all-encompassing. Should Baltimore not handle their business with home field advantage? Every show on Monday, not the Jim Rome show, it's more thoughtful. Better produced as well, as I suck up to the XR4TI. But every other lame, fake debate show out there is going to tell you, Lamar can't get it done. I'll still take him. I'd take him over everybody, but maybe Mahomes. I'm, I'm intoxicated by Mahomes, but I don't think he has enough help around him this year. And Patrick has not been as superhuman over the course of the regular season. Coming up, we'll pay off the ATP, and we'll get into... What happened to Bill Belichick? Is it demonstrable proof that NFL coaches have an expiration date or should have? Brian Weber back with you. Hit me up on the X. You know I have no life. It should be very well documented by now. I need your critiques. Tell me how terrible the last 43 minutes have been. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. And because I have almost worked three quarters of an hour now, this is way too arduous, way too grueling. Tom is going to help me out with a ATP coming up. We'll get there in 10 minutes. 
I will do my best to mirror how Jim began the program, passing along some thoughts about Bill Belichick. And if you've had a deal with me throughout the holidays, I know a lot of the audience shifts when Jim's not here. Totally understandable. But it's a tradition unlike any other when the fill-in host in the final week of December, goes through the likely candidates to lose their job. And we don't do it with any joy. Thank you, Tom. Take the rest of the hour off. We don't do it with any great sense of glee. But there's another big word that comes to mind. I think it's applicable for Bill Belichick. Schadenfreude. German word that means deriving pleasure from someone else's Tragedy or suffering. And I think that is a part of what's going on with Bill Belichick because I didn't think he was a great fit for most of these openings. And it's not a done deal that he's not going to get hired, although we're only down to two vacancies. Seattle, I can safely say, did not just push out 72-year-old Pete Carroll to replace him with Bill Belichick, who's about to turn 72, just doesn't seem like a good organizational fit. Washington, very hard to get a handle on what's going on there with the new ownership group. And if I hear one more time, well, you know, Bill's father coached at the Naval Academy. He loves water. And if he goes to the DMV, he can just ride out to Bethesda and have a good time. Okay. But if you're the commanders, are you going to be willing to put up with everything that comes with Bill Belichick and even an organization lacking self-esteem as much as the Falcons. Pardon me, in this chair, the Atlanta fail clowns. If Atlanta, with Arthur Blank, who looks great but is in his early 80s, if Arthur Blank wasn't so desperate to do everything he could to finally win a championship that he'd be willing to put up with everything that comes with Bill Belichick, namely give him virtually total control and make him coexist with McVeigh, the personnel, McKay rather, uh, who's been there for a long time in Atlanta. The fact that Arthur Blank was unwilling to do that when, according to reports, Bill Belichick was the primary target from day one when friend of the program, Arthur Smith, was terminated, tells you all you need to know. And it also tells you that Bill, so far, and life has a way of slapping you in the face, has been unwilling to change or evolve. But is that shocking in any way? This is the guy who had so much arrogance who said, no, 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 I don't need an offensive coordinator. We're going to go with the dream team of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Professional malpractice. And you heard the reports when Belichick had the second interview and things seemingly were trending in the direction of him getting the job in Atlanta, that he was putting the band back together. (laughs) It's a package deal. Not only Patricia, not only Judge, here comes Josh McDaniels. Because, of course, coming off his triumphant run, in Las Vegas, a failure as a head coach, not once but twice. So if Bill had any self-awareness, any modesty, or even just the sheer logic of saying, okay, I'm aware there's a perception of me. Let me at least fake I'm willing to change. How did Mike McCarthy get that job in Dallas? He was able to con 
Jerry Jones into believing that somehow he wasn't sitting in his barn eating cheese curds. He had embraced analytics because he fired up the Timex Sinclair computer. But Mike realized he had to, quote-unquote, reinvent himself because the phone wasn't ringing. And I think Belichick had so much hubris, a lot of big words in one hour today. I'll take the rest of the week off. So much blind arrogance that he thought, hey, man, you want my resume? I got six freaking rings right here. You see that ring video? Yeah, I don't even care to put a shirt on. I'm Bill Belichick. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want, and you're lucky if I take your job. And here he is. Now I think on the verge of winding up on TV. Now here's going to be the magical development because I've seen it in person. As mentioned, I was lucky to have a radio affiliation with the NFL that took me to not only the draft, but to the NFL annual meeting. So you'd go to a swanky hotel in Boca Raton or in Arizona and you'd see Andy Reid wearing the world's biggest Tommy Bahama shirt. Belichick, just looking down the hallway, is warm, engaging, smiles in those circumstances because we know the mumbling routine is just an act. Because years ago, he figured out if I spend three less minutes at the podium with these people I don't respect because I'm Bill Belichick, I go back and continue to break down tape. But Belichick, when he has no other job available other than mumbling on TV and write it down, it'll be NFL Network because the league takes care of its own. Plus, he's already been there and was charming. They had the 100th anniversary of the league. He sat down with Chris Collinsworth and was regaling Rich Eisen and Chris with stories like he was a roast master, like he was Jeffrey Ross. Who is this dude? Because Bill can be nice when he chooses to be. But he was delusional thinking that because he's on the verge of breaking Don Shula's record, and that's all he's looking to do, the league would be clamoring for him. And now he's going to have to wait another year. And one thought about expiration dates, and I should tread lightly because I'm pushing 55. I can't handle the double nickel. We used to have a mandatory retirement age for a reason. In fact, many major corporations still do. Now, they've bumped it up. It used to be 65. Remember, I was a kid. Walter Cronkite had a sign off, and he was still in his prime. But we had those parameters because even with the raising of life expectancies, people slow down. Think about your own parents. Lucidity changes. It's just biochemistry. Not even getting political, but it's applicable there as well. Does Bill Belichick have the same appeal at the age of 72 that he did 20 years ago. I've been very critical of Nick Saban because I think he's a petty tyrant too often, but at least give him the credit. And I know NIL pushed him out. He couldn't handle it. He's 72. He realizes he's not the same person nor the same coach. So I do think we should have a conversation, even within the world of sports, about adjusting our time horizons just because we live longer doesn't mean you still have the same cognitive abilities and i'm not saying that bill has those issues i'm talking more about relatability you think bill at 72 is going to be able to interface with a 22 year old kid now the good news in football is they wear jerseys and go hey four or five block that guy i have an atp to get to decent clock management for once 
I wouldn't be bad, I guess, if I just worked one hour filling in. Maybe JT the Brick handles the first two. He can go do his second and his third show, and I'll come do an hour. As we answer the Ask the Pros question, were you the clones? Had the opportunity to submit a question at cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros, sponsored by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get the parts and service you need fast from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts and to connect it to Bill Belichick and Billy Crystal. Go watch Mr. Saturday Night. And the payoff in that movie is, yeah, but you could have been nicer. I think if Bill was a little bit nicer along the way, he would not have to sit out an entire year. More teams would be interested in his services. Bella B. in Calgary picked up the telephone yesterday, so I will give her a little run here. Hi, Brian. What's in that manila file folder you travel with? All right, this, I'll hold it up for the benefit of TV because you want a middle-aged guy showing you that he doesn't believe in computers. They're a fad. I write out my detailed thoughts. I didn't even talk about the Pukunakua hold that wasn't called in that game. Rams should have won on the road in Detroit. The Lions are just the team. I'm taking you behind the curtain. Old school learning. If you write it out, kids, you remember. One other one. I should pre-read this. Oh, Eric in Orlando. We're doubling up today. Have you ever had an office experience where someone microwaves a head and tail on the whole fish, inquiring clones, <laughs> no, I don't fish on a boat, I fish on a boat. This is an old bit. We're going back to, Alvy, do we have the microwave alert? This is an old school 20 year ago. Who's the guy, it was softball guy, guy who likes to fight, and then the Delta Bravo who comes into your office and microwaves the head and tail of the whole fish. Well, you know what? I'll hand you one more gift and a remaining half minute. Fish, come on. It would be nothing but Chick-fil-A, which I've also only been to once, despite the host opinion. Remember, personal appearance is not your fodder unless you call Brian Weber morbidly obese. And with that, mm. thanks to the Hall of Famer, Safe Travels Jim, Craig Kitchen, David Murnack, the accounting department at CBS Sports Radio, all the good people in New York City, the X4, for ti Tom liked that one. Tommy, Alvin pushing the buttons. Jack is working on his lats. Jim is back on Monday on CBS Sports Radio.